welcome to the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast with Borg, Betts, and a baller. Welcome in. It's Wednesday, November 22nd, the day before Thanksgiving. I'm your host, Kyle Bergenoni. I'm joined, as always, by Matthew Betts and Mike Wright on the Dynasty Podcast. The day before Thanksgiving, Kyle. That's that's what you want to lead into with this? Not maybe... What else would you call it? The most important day in the world when you look at Fantasy Football Podcast. The longest Fantasy Football Podcast that exists oh, God. is out today. Oh, yes. This day, Kyle, but he says, no, it's just it's just the day before Thanksgiving and re- a well, regular it's, Wednesday, it's not, if you will. It's not out today, Matthew Betts. It's out tomorrow. Okay, well, still, being recorded today. How about that? It's Megalodon E. There you go. It, well, I just know that I will be a shell of my of myself. My body will be here at the end of the show, but... Bags yeah, under so, your so eyes. I'm not even... I'm I'm a worthless man when, after that show, but it's worth it. It's actually kind of one of my favorite little things every single year just to test what I've got left. Yeah. So I, 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 pull, the, I pull an all-nighter. It's definitely a test your might type of a situation. Yeah. And it's also like, I get it. We have a fun job, people. Like we can talk about football for a living. But it is an endurance test to say, I'm going to blitz through every single matchup because there's no buys and to go through all the other segments. So it's, it is a lot. But uh, we also have a really good show here. I feel like this is one of our more creative shows of the year that we're going to do, we're going to have a Dynasty Film Festival. And what I mean by that is we're going to get to reveal a couple of movies, well, well-received movies. Every single movie we have here is award-winning and <laughs> critically acclaimed. Sure. And sure. compare it to a certain player. So we'll kind of play along. Hopefully you as a listener can play along with us. Reveal some things that we've seen grinding the tape. Look, you know, just looking, hey, this is what happened on film. And uh, we'll talk about some of those. So we are glad you're with us. If you want to get all of our tools, you can go to jointhefoot.com. You can get our stream finder, our strength of schedules tool that I used in a couple of trades this past week in Dynasty. Uh, so go to jointhefoot.com if you want to be a part of that. But I wanted to do a little bit of a check-in because a lot of leagues trade deadlines have already happened or this is the final week. For your Dynasty League, boys, how are we doing? And I'll let Mike start first because I know in the main Ballers Dynasty, you are dead. <sighs> I'm, you know, I'm not dead. I'm not dead yet. But lost Joe Burrow on Thursday night, which translates into mostly losing Jamar Chase. I mean, he's not Chase is not gone. Maybe Browning surprises us. And Chase is a very good player. But the high-end version of Jamar Chase is, is certainly gone. Then Ken Bone Walker went down to a legit oblique injury on Sunday. Who knows when he's going to be back. So it was just, it was a, it was a painful, painful weekend that was, that was somewhat saved by, I won with about 57 points. This is a double flex, single quarterback, half point scoring league. That's gross. This, this roster usually scores 115, 120 ish. And I, the, the fantasy gods at least gave me something because they they took away half my team. They're like, fine, we'll let you get a victory by playing the worst possible team. Like a team that played, uh, I believe, because this is a rebuild team, so they've traded all their running backs. They played Kyle Juszczyk. I think they started Kenyon Drake technically. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I barely, I beat this team by about four points. Because Alexander Madison outscored KJ Osborne on Monday nights. Hey, a win's a win, right? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I'll I'll take the win because now I'm tied with uh, Jason in my division. But I mean, I'm hurting. I'm hurting big time now. In that same league, Al Borland and I, uh, I'm a co-manager. We almost somehow lucked into a win on a rebuilding team. We put up 103 thanks to your boy Jordan Love. Even got a touchdown from Salvin Ahmed. Uh, so our team's in full rebuild mode, but we've got some great players in the rebuild. We've really scraped the bottom, and we have a bunch of first-round picks. we got Tank Dell on that team, who's quietly the GOAT right now. Oh, yeah. And you have you have Puka, right? Yeah, Puka. So we, and, yeah, I mean, with all your firsts, like your team could be back 
in business really fast. And we have JSN, who's not even like he's not even our third best. Oh, I don't even count him. <laughs> he's like our fourth best rookie wide receiver. So, um, in, in the main ballers dynasty league, we are in a really good spot committing to that. Um, in a super flex league, I'm also in a full rebuild, and I hit on every single rookie pick. I have Tank Dell, I have A Chan, I have Addison. I mean, so I've I've just done really well in a rebuild to move in the right direction. And then the last league I'll throw out there is the league that Mike and I are against each other. It's called Dino Junior. You've heard us talk about it. They've won some championships in the past. Um, I'm in the mix, but it's it's not looking good compared to the other teams that have a lot more firepower. So, Betts, where are you at? Uh, yeah, a little bit all over the map. A couple contenders that are looking really sweet. Just made a deal last week uh, to send. It was a 2026 first. So we, we play way out there. And Jaden Reed for Brandon Ayuk. And I really like Jaden Reed. Uh, but getting Ayuk and then seeing him do what he did this past week, I was like, oh, yeah. baby, here we go. So I'm pretty excited about that one. I've got a couple contenders that are, uh, are uh, rebuilds, rather, that are just terrible. I mean, you mentioned like trotting out <laughs> Kyle Juszczyk. I'm out here like, you know, Jarek McKinnon is in the lineup. So, so that's kind of where we're at because no one wants him. But yeah, kind of all over the map. And this time of year, it's if you're a rebuilding team it's actually very awesome to finally get to the trade deadline if your league has one understand the work has been done for this year you have no expectations you're just chilling watching the football enjoying without any stress in your life it's actually quite relaxing if i'm being honest so that's kind of where i'm at in a couple leagues but a couple contenders too so a little bit all over the map if you have draft capital for 2024 and and we're going to start bringing up players as we get closer uh to 2024 you know the marvin harrison juniors just players that you've heard the names we'll talk about them but like you have to be excited about the draft capital that you have and the adage we we bring this up all the time guys your draft kit picks only get more valuable from here like they're only going to increase in value yeah so you know when people are pressing you at, at the trade deadline for this like understand you are holding on to something that just matters. It matters in building a dynasty team. So keep that in mind as you, you know, the trade window for a lot of leagues is about to close, but then it opens up again at the end of the season. So we'll be with you all throughout the off season. As we talk through values, we'll talk about players scouting. Um, but, Oh man, I'm super pumped that to have like a actual fleshed out series talking about rookies where the, we, if you've just joined us, no more, thank you. But we, the Dynasty Pod, we started in like April. Does that sound right, Kyle? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, we started in April. You know, draft was right around the corner. We kind of had to just get, get the information out the best way we could. So we kind of shotgunned like a, it was almost like a 90 minute running back episode. And so it's going to be really fun to argue about prospects. Oh, that it's not just one show. Like we can have multiple running back shows uh, if we want, you know, and just really get in the weeds. I felt like for our first year, guys, we had some strong takes. You know, for for some people, they're like, oh, the fantasy footballers, they never talk about Dynasty. Like, we have talked about this. We just haven't condensed it. And I feel like the players that we pounded the table for the most, you know, the CJ Stroud kind of thing was like, oh, cool. Like, we're not idiots. Oh, dude, I'm. it was CJ Stroud log out. I mean, I'm, I'm riding I'm riding that victory lap forever. You're just like, hey, put on our resume. Just say like, hey, remember that one year? Well, yeah, just, once like, recommended CJ Stroud in Dynasty. <laughs> Top of the resume. I, I ranked him over Bryce Young. Oh, Dude, even the man. Panthers can do that. I know. <laughs> so, so we can. I can't wait to dissect that because you remember all of the media stories about like, oh, Josh McCown is their QB coach. Yep. And like, yep. there were all of those tea leaves that you started to put together and then it changed to like, okay, this is this is a Bryce Young team. And I just wonder where that shifted. And I know part of that is a public consciousness of what we want to happen. But I mean, there there was a direct change in the betting markets and everything else. I'm I have my sources in Carolina are Josh McCown hasn't stopped crying <laughs> since uh, since week one. He's uh, oh, he's just just infinite, just just infinite tears always streaming down his face. And Frank Reich. You know, he this past week he's like he's on the hot seat. What is what? This past week is like I. You know what? I can't. I can't do this anymore. I. I. I need to call the plays. I need to make sure that this team is doing something competitive. I mean, they. I guess they got a win a couple of weeks ago, but um, against C.J. Stroud, by the way, 
Don't don't forget yeah. about that. So fair. Um, but yeah, we we'll be with you guys. Our dynasty leagues as they come into the playoffs. Hopefully, I I think it, it it's selfish, but I think my one goal in dynasty this year is that you guys don't win, Mike and Jason. Like that's actually the maybe more important. I than understand. Winning. I understand when when a team has won three of the four years in existence for the a dynasty league. It feels pretty bad for everybody else. I don't forget I won that other year. Okay, um, let's move on. Well, that's the story of my life. No respect. I don't no respect. <laughs> that's the drop we went with? I, I, you know, I wanted to find a movie quote, what? and I wanted to find a oh, famous okay. one. So I went with Roger, okay. Rodney Dangerfield. That's fair. Because real, real current kids yeah, love yeah. Rodney. <laughs> this is this is a real TikTok sensation, Rodney. <laughs> Definitely trending currently. <laughs> like forty percent of our audience is like, "What? Who's that? Who? What? Who are you talking about?" No respect. Um. So this is a dynasty film festival. It's what I'm calling it. We're gonna put on our, you know, expert lens here of all of us that are you know great film critics of acclaimed films that you've watched on TV, but also. Fantasy football, we'll talk about some players. The way that we're going to do this is unveil a film and kind of vaguely talk about this film until we eventually get to the player. So it's kind of a, a fun game if you want to join along, if you can think back to these movies. But before we do that, I, I want to just open up a discussion about fantasy versus film, which it's like there can be an intersection when you talk about a player saying, okay, what I see on film is is lining up with what's going on in fantasy football with the fantasy points, the targets, everything else. And then there's other times where you're watching something you're like, this should not work. Or this player is, my eyeballs are telling me this player isn't good. So what do you guys think? And I'll let you start bets first. Like, where do you bring film watching into dynasty football? And how how seriously do you take it? Um, I, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that I am a film expert or a, you know, you're not a grinder. I'm not a, I'm, well, I'm a grinder, Mike, but I'm not a pro uh, in this. You know, you won't see me on Twitter posting my film takes, but there is something to it. And I think there's something beyond just, you know, watching uh, or, or looking at a, a spreadsheet or box scores or what have you with stats. There's an aspect of it that I think is important. And really, for me, it's like, does it match what the stats are saying or not? Like Kyle was saying, and if it doesn't, like kind of asking yourself, what's going on here? Is it... Uh, a coaching scheme issue is the player just not able to like separate from the cornerback if it's a wide receiver uh, or a tight end, for example, like those kind of things. So I use it, I would say like 50-50, um, but combining it, especially with like rookie scouting with prospect profiles, younger guys, prospect profiles in their first year of the NFL, you know, things like that. When you combine the two, I think it makes you a very good dynasty player if you only, you know, strictly follow breakout age or strictly follow dominator ring and, and don't actually watch what's happening you're missing a piece of the puzzle i think so i would say i use it about 50 50 yeah we we need context with players and obviously we talk more about this with rookies because when you're watching film of any player you're you're subjective like you're looking at this player saying either i have a bias coming in or for rookies we're always saying like this player is dominating and then you look up and you're like oh well they're they're playing in this wacky college conference where they get to throw the ball 60 times a game. Of course, this wide receiver is going to see 15 targets. Like it's, it's different. So we, we need context. And you know, for me, I, I have a hard time when I look at wide receivers because like they're getting separation, but like this coverage is giving them a million yards. So it's like, is this a player thing? Is this a scheme thing? There's so many different nuances to watching film where you can say this player did get open or were they schemed open? I don't know which one it is on every single play. So it's valuable, but it's it's just a piece of the puzzle and no one's going to be perfect at it. Like even obviously the NFL talent evaluators get this dead wrong all the time. Yeah, the number two overall pick from what, two years ago is now on the bench for Tim Boyle, who is not not going to solve any problems. No, you're not a Tim Boyle guy? I hate to break it. To you, Jets fans, um, I hope I'm wrong. I'm hoping I'm wrong because Garrett Wilson giving me negative fantasy points this week was a real kick in the crotch. <laughs> his uh, his nine receiving yards didn't do it for you. Well, no, the fumble took it all the way. Uh, so my my take on film is, uh, I like looking for when I'm looking at rookies. I like looking for traits. 
Uh, again, yeah, looking for you know wide receiver separation can be very tough. One, I mean, like, do you have access to the all twenty two film? Because a lot of the time, what a wide receiver is doing is not even on on the film. It's not on the broadcast part. But I'm looking for you know context. I'm looking for some techniques. I'm also really looking for um, just like you know flow of the game of did this person draw a bunch of of pi calls that you just you're you, i don't know that i don't know anyone that collects those like it's it would be a valuable stat i think to have of knowing like what 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 happened to my wide receiver here he only had two catches for 20 yards or whatever oh yeah cuz he drew three huge pass interference calls and you don't get any points for that but you still get to know no your team is being aggressive and they're going down the field at this wide receiver um so things like that Things call back on penalty that just they don't show up in a regular box score. You have to really know what you're looking for. Uh, but again, I'm I'm with these guys. Of I don't call myself a professional quarterback scout. Like there's people out there on YouTube that I think are doing really great work. I just watch. And I'm like, no, I I know that CJ Stroud's better than Bryce Young. I can tell you that because I because I know I'm a professional. <laughs> I think one of the best ways if you want to you know, be somebody who's like, Hey, I add this to my fantasy football, my dynasty repertoire is just watch other people describe watching film. Like part of my journey was a long, long time ago. I got to do a little film work for PFF when footballers started. And I just had to pick up on like, I didn't go to school for being a football scout, but I can learn over time and get language about how people like look at the game and how they evaluate it and how, you know, scouts evaluate it. So there are lots of people out there. There's lots of good YouTube channels. Um, but don't just look at the highlights. I think my favorite question to ask when we're looking at film is what is not there. When you get a highlight reel, you're like, oh crap, this person's dominating. But you're not really seeing like other plays or, or you know, when we looked at Quentin Johnson last year, we're like, okay, so what's not really there is like nuanced routes. It's like they throw him screens, they give him the yards after the catch. And then you look later on in the season, and you're like, what happened to this guy, especially the national championship game, just like erased from the game plan right. uh, when those things didn't work. So that's the question I always tell people. It's like, what is not there? Funny enough, I I do actually use, I use highlight films in my study of, because I want, let me see the absolute best that you can put on tape. Right. What that people are, when people think of the best place for you, what does that look like? And I th- I think that there's a lot of times that people are, hyped for on running back prospects and then I you know I watched the uh watched actual games so you can see what the, what the flow of everything is but then watching also the cut up of of the highlights and you're like this is this person is not who you think he is and I I that it's it's helped me not everything's perfect but I think that I've I get him correct more than I miss that's all you're trying yeah, to do, right? That's, in this especially. Like yes, the NFL can't yes. even get it right. So like we just hope we're right yep. 52% of the time. <laughs> right? Yeah, we're all just nerds. That's what it is. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll reveal our films. All right, I'm going to start us off, people, because the film that I want to first reveal was released in a long line of Adam Sandler films. You remember in the 90s, there was a period of time where yeah. no matter what it was, if you were a teenager, like if you're like, hey, I wasn't quite old enough, but like my cousin showed me this movie or whatever, however old you were, that's where I was in that stage. I was going to watch an Adam Sandler movie. like I, And I was going to quote it. And I was going to quote Billy Madison as much as I could. But there was a film that he released called Mr. Deeds. And... So good. Good. Would you- I am... I am- I am so pro Mr. Deeds that I am nervous about what you are about to say about this player because I don't know if we're in agreement. (laughs) It's okay. So Mr. Deeds, when I think back to this movie, I think of maybe one or two quotable lines and I kind of think about the butler the most. The butler is a true standout. Uh, Yes, you know, very, very sneaky. What, John Totoro? Yes, John Totoro. Um. As you get older, Kyle, you're not at my age yet. Um, but the scene he when he slides down the banister, flies off, and he lands on the table, and then he screams, "My back hurts." <laughs> I use that one 
all the time. <laughs> so I'll say this about this movie because Sandler movies are really endearing because they bring us back to a time. This is what I wrote down where this is what was funny. Stupid. Stupid was what was funny to us. And I liked that. I, I like that humor. Um, and if you haven't seen the movie, go get it. But basically he's a small town guy who inherits a ton of money and he's got to figure it out. It's a remake of a really old movie, apparently. And there's some memorable scenes. It did fine at the box office. Not so great with critic reviews. Okay. So on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 22%, which is not shocking at all. Um, and I'm using this film to kind of describe that we can look at a certain type of player, especially at the running back position. And if they provide us the same thing over and over again as other running backs, we just assume this is a running back that we can use moving forward. They could even be elite. But of all the Adam Sandler movies, Mr. Deeds started a run of movies that didn't go so well for him. Mm, So I see the running back that I'm bringing up is Rashad White, people. Because Rashad White right now, guys, do you know he's the RB7 in fantasy? Yeah, he's had a great fantasy year. He's He's been really good and really good for fantasy. And I want to make sure that point's clear because I'll, I'll bring up some film points. But as a rookie, guys, he caught 50 passes. And that was kind of leading us to see that he could have been undervalued. I wrote an article, to toot my horn here, uh, that he was one of the most undervalued assets in best ball because he was drafted as like RB28. And looking back, any rookie that catches 50 passes, the next year they end up being a top 24. So he was kind of a value already. And in Dynasty, you were just really happy that you had a player that had opportunities. Right now, guys, he's averaging 18 and a half opportunities per game, but just 3.3 yards per carry. And it's been one of those things where if you look up at the box score later on, you're like, is he good? Like, <laughs> is, is he good or did he just fall into the end zone? So before I get any further on some film takes, what do you guys think about Rashad White and just him as a player? Uh, I'll jump in here. I think that Rashad White is a fantastic pass catcher. Uh, As of this recording, we are now at, he has caught 41 of 44 targets. Like that is absolutely preposterous. I believe he's second to Christian McCaffrey in uh, receiving work. Yeah, Gibbs might be catching up. We'll see about that. Uh, but like, so I think he's very good at that, and he he does have the ability of availability. <laughs> like, we've gone through you know a ton of the season, and he's played real like workhorse snaps, getting workhorse opportunities, and he's still there. Like, coaches do value that, and so he's got that going for him. Uh, running wise, I'm not sure. I I think he is, I think he's an okay running back, but the point in his favor, the unknown point I should say is this, we're going on multiple years now of this team and this offensive line being unable to run. So is this, is it really a Rashad White issue or is this a Tampa Bay Buccaneers slash Todd Bowles and and his staff is it their problem? I I think it might be that. I like I think that if you put take Rashad White, putting him on like the Lions, or whatever, he's not Jameer Gibbs. Like he does not have that electricity. But I think Rashad White on the Lions would be dominating. Like he'd be doing fantastic. So I think that he is he's kind of in this limbo of he is a good enough player to hold on to a a massive workload for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers but you have to if you have him in dynasty I mean going into this offseason holy crap he's going to be one of those guys that's the you're just you're just closing your eyes you're crossing your fingers you're crossing your toes and begging that they don't spend a day two pick on a running back right that's what are, what are your Rashad White deep thoughts yeah I mean I, I mostly echo what Mike said where I don't think we can answer the question yet uh, is it a Rashad White issue is it a Bucks just systemically can't run the ball issue because this is exactly what we saw from Leonard Fournette last year. Now, granted, Leonard Fournette is at a very different stage of his career, and the decline was somewhat obvious as far as when it was coming. But you look at their efficiency stuff from last year, and those two are basically the exact same this year. 
He's still one of the league's least efficient runners. Now, his pass catching has been awesome, and he's been doing that since he's been in college. Like, that was his calling card. And as long as he has that role, he'll have value in fantasy. I just, man, these guys that are compilers that just because of the fact that they're on the field so much and they catch the ball and they haven't had an injury yet that finish as a top 10, top 12 running back, those are usually pretty big red to yellow flag situations for me in Dynasty where it's like, okay, maybe we've seen the best of it. Uh, you know, the efficiency stuff tells us maybe he's not the best player in the world. But if you have him right now, I think you enjoy it. I think that he is, like like Mike said, this offseason, a guy that I'm going to be pretty worried about. Just, you know, where does the market value him and where does he go? Because this year it was like, oh, sweet. No one's value him. Like Kyle said, he's the RB26 off the board in best ball. So there's no opportunity cost. You take him and, and you hope he's the guy. Right. This next coming year, if everyone's like, oh, Rashad White's, you know, he's only entering his third year. He's the top 12 back. I'm going to be out on that. So I think it's just going to be kind of for me where the market goes with it. No, it's a, it's a good point. So the thing about Rashad White, it, just to give you some film numbers, I looked at last month's worth of games, just watched his snaps and coming into the league, he's just, he's always a fluid pass catcher all the way back to Arizona state. And he transferred junior college before that, but he's tall. He runs kind of tall, like he's six foot. And when you have runners like that, they just don't look very elusive. He It's funny because he's big enough. He can break tackles, but this, these are my notes against Buffalo. Zero acceleration. Dude is a butt runner. And by butt runner, what I mean is <laughs> this is uh, this is AJ Dillon territory. Wait, butt? I thought the note said butter. No, it's supposed to be it's supposed to be butt runner. Oh, but <laughs> I guess I mistyped. I was yeah. waiting for what is a. I mean, I, I feel like if you call someone a butter runner, it's like they're smooth, they're slippery. <laughs> no, nope. Doc literally no, says you're a butt butter runner, and I was like, man, I. This I haven't heard this term before. Maybe I'm missing out on something. <laughs> no, I meant to say. But then there is a a peach uh, emoji right after. Yeah, he's a butt runner. He runs into the line. All he's right. very good at running into the li- the butts of his offensive linemen. It's it's what AJ Dillon is the best in the league at. And you know, it, it's so like you guys mentioned, it's an offensive line issue. But also, he's not going to be the one cut and just burst. There's just zero acceleration for him. Um, and then we said earlier, like he's available in the passing game and he's dependable, which is in fantasy, all you really care about. And he's also gotten a couple of fortunate bunny, like two or three yard touchdowns against Houston. He did that. So I I just worry about him long-term. If someone thinks he's an RB one for multiple years and you're not a contender, yes, cash out, get a first, whatever you can get. Um, But if you're a contender, be happy that he can be an RB two for your team. But going the next year, I wrote down like, He's a flex, maybe, and if this team brings in someone else, I think we're scared. We were we were shocked they didn't bring in someone else this past offseason, right? Like, it was just Sean yes. Tucker as the undrafted free agent, and that's really it. So I'll give you some names just to kind of book in this conversation of Rashad White. Would you rather have Rashad White or Kyron Williams in Dynasty? Oh, man. I've been thinking more and more about Kyron Williams of, how to like he's felt like just an absolute just a flash in the pan and it was like yeah i mean he's having a great year but they'll they'll definitely do something to move and but but will they like is there a chance that Kyron williams is the rams go-to guy next year and it's i mean i don't know but i i think that i i need to personally like i need to at least be open to the idea that it could be Kyron. i mean he was he was playing great for them. He was really helping the team. And they seem like a team that learned the lesson the hard way of this is what happens when you invest super heavy in a running back. With acres. With with uh well not not Todd just Gurley. acres, but I mean they've Todd I mean it started with Todd Gurley. McVay didn't draft Gurley, right. but they gave him the money and then his body fell apart on them. You had them spending a third on Henderson. Third on Ake, I think was Acres a third? Maybe he was even a second. second. I think he was a second. Yeah, but I mean they they've spent multiple day two picks on running backs and they keep getting torched. And they have this low end, not low end, sorry, uh later draft pick guy who's super cheap and he's getting the job done for him. Like, why would you not keep rolling with that? So I uh long way of saying like I'm trying to open my mind to the idea. What if Kyron is actually their guy yeah. next year? I think it's a possibility. Um, and I, and Rashad white, 
I think the same thing, just leaving the, the, leaving the space open that it, it could be him again next year. They're, are they, do the, do the Bucks rebuild everything? That's, I think, where the, the decision has to start, as in, like, the coaching staff that are there for the Bucks. Are they there next year? Yeah, that that one and the Rams too. Like I, I thought of the Rams. As, I, well, McVay would be a retirement. Like right. McVay's not getting McVay's not getting fired. Right, but there's where a, I think their team is volatile. Where it's like Stafford, Cup. Like it, yeah, but but I think your point is is that these are players that didn't have the same draft capital, but they're kind of like a flash in the pan. But we think there could be more. I I threw some other names in here: Isaiah Pacheco, James Cook, Jalen Warren. That are all feel like they're around the same. RB2. Yeah, they do. Usable right now, but I don't know what they're going to be. So there's a bunch of players like that. So don't I, I just don't want people to lock in Rashad White as this is who he's going to be and he's a difference maker forever. In PPR leagues, you ride this thing. You you get your 70 catches this year. Uh, but beyond that, it could change bets. You are up next. Yes, sir. What's hilarious about the guys you just described and how you describe them is like that's the state of running backs and dynasty <laughs> it's like everyone <laughs> that's not the elite guys is like they're fine we'll see what they are uh which i just thought was great yeah that yeah that's what screw them rbs right. guys um i'm going to talk about a wide receiver next and the film that i'm going to use the the movie is talladega nights the ballad of ricky bobby which was just hilarious uh of course if you missed this movie shame on you uh but ricky bobby is a famous nascar driver uh he's got the need for speed he says if you ain't first you're last he has reached the pinnacle. He's famous. Uh, he's got a very attractive wife. He's got all this money. He wins, et cetera, et cetera. He falls out and he rises to the top again after a tumultuous situation. But all along that, that ride. That, Cal- that's what you took from that movie? Well, there's a lot more. But, but, but there's a lot more. <laughs> you, took, you, you took. So the, the movie Talladega Nights. I get that this is what the plot is, but like, that's your big takeaway? That was not the big takeaway. Will Ferrell's and. He's a NASCAR driver, and he gets in a huge wreck, and he that, and he's too scared to drive. But then he returns, and he's great again. <laughs> I mean, that's not the it's a real feel good. That's the, feel good sports it's a family movie. flick. <laughs> okay, so that's the plot. But there are so many other good parts of that movie. Um, but the plot brings me to a player that you know when he was with Mahomes, you, Tyreek was the the mountaintop, right? I know he didn't have a crash, <laughs> but when he got traded to Miami, everyone was like, oh, that, that Tyreek's done. That's not Tyreek we used to know. Like, it's never going to go great with Tua. And now Tyreek has risen to the top. However, his teammate, Cal Naughton Jr., a.k.a. his best friend, and oh, the number two to well Ricky done. Bobby okay. is Jalen Waddle. And that's really where it comes down to for me is you have a guy who could be the number one. He could be super talented, but... Is Ricky Bobby how about, how about, ever going to let about it happen? If you just let me, can I just win this next race? <laughs> they have the quote. You know, I was thinking one time might be really awesome if like you could slingshot me in for a win. Oh, you actually have it in there. <laughs> so, I watched the whole. I stole your thunder. I watched the whole clip this morning. It was so good. Uh, but basically, Ricky Bobby says, "Well, yeah, but like it, you know, if you win this one, then how am I going to get first? <laughs> And Kyle's like, oh, you, you know what? You're right. You're right. I, I'll, I'll never bring it up again. And so I'm watching these Dolphins games, and I'm like, man, Mike McDaniel is not scheming the ball to Jalen Waddle. He is not the first read. And when you look at the underlying metrics, it, it all lines up. But when you watch these uh, these plays that happen, like they're so good, the Dolphins are, with pre-snap motion. They're among the league leaders in the NFL in terms of how they use it and when they use it, how often they use it. But it's almost always the running backs or Tyreek Hill that are the guys that get in motion and then get up speed quickly and have these easy crossers those are not being a scheme for Jalen Waddle and so to me it just feels like one of these situations where last year he's the wide receiver seven in fantasy on the back of eight touchdowns and an outlier 18.1 yards per catch we're seeing that efficiency come down the touchdowns aren't there and now he's a borderline you know wide receiver three wide receiver 31 currently uh, in fantasy so he feels like Cal Naughton Jr. to me, you know, shake and bake. Uh, I just don't know if we're ever going to see Waddle, as long as Tyreek Hill is there, emerge into what we thought he could be this past year. Yeah. Do you? So it's hard because he's still so young. And in dynasty circles, he's still seen as a locked in. But like, would you rather have Jalen Waddle or Devonta Smith? Another Cal Naughton. Mm, that's in this the same equation. situation, honestly. 
I know me, who anyway, would you rather have? Like... I would probably rather have. Oh, I was going to use draft capital. They're both top ten picks. I don't know, man. I, I think it's a coin flip. Honestly, I don't know who I would rather I, have. I, I don't know the answer either. I, I think <laughs> I lean Smith. I think so, Mike. I I think I lean Waddle because it's the situations are very parallel. But you have the Dallas Goddard issue for Devonta Smith. Not right now, obviously he's injured, but in general, you have like three top tier options and i mean they'll always have a running game if it's deandre swift next year whoever it will be and then of course jalen hurts stealing touchdowns where miami is like it's tyreek then a tier gap it's like this is not one a one b this is not one and two this is number one and then number three we have jalen waddle and then you have a running game i mean like who else and is there any is there an up and comer? You're not scared on of the Smythe? Dolphins right now. You're not. <laughs> no, I mean, look, I am terrified of Smythe because Smythe is everywhere and he's always stealing our touchdowns for every single team. But it, I mean, there's not a there's not a high quality third target unless I'm just completely forgetting right. something that has happened. Yeah. No, I think I think that's right, Mike. I'm going to let you hit us with all right the next one. All right. So the movie. Like sometimes you have movies that are not talked about like before release, you know, the maybe the marketing budget's not there. It's in this one's an indie movie. It's an independent movie, so they just they had to put it out. They had to hope that the product was good enough and that people would start talking about it. And that movie, that movie, I don't know if you guys are old enough for Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, yes. oh yeah. But it like kind of came out of nowhere and and then it just turned into everyone telling their friends, "Dude, you gotta you gotta go see this Napoleon Dynamite movie. It's it's funny. It's re- it's real dry, but it's really funny." And not that Jaden Reed has come out of nowhere because he's from Michigan State, was drafted in the second round, but I, all of the other options that were being that were available to us in dynasty drafts. I mean, Jaden Reed, the places I have him, it was well into the second round. Like, I don't I don't know if your guys' experience was the same as mine, but a middle of the second round rookie pick, this is not someone that I am counting on. This is a you're just hey, maybe this person will be able to spot start for me every once in a while. But he's looking like he's just, just like an independent breakout movie where it didn't cost very much to make and your returns are actually very good. He's not gigantic, no sub six foot, sub one ninety, but some players have a superpower of getting open, not just on their routes and everything, but but knowing football, high football IQ of when a play is starting to break down, that clock in your head goes. And so to like somewhat talk about it. Like I, I coach uh, my son's youth football teams a lot and trying to get kids to understand like, no, man, like, if your route is sending you into two defenders, just and you have a wide open space, don't don't follow through. Just sit down, be open, or know that in your head there's a clock going, and if the if, if the ball hasn't come out, I need to go back to the quarterback. I got to go help my quarterback out, and I feel like Jaden Reed just does this like inherently, and they're all they're using him in multiple ways. We had the huge rushing touchdown, so I mean the guy absolutely has speed. I mean, you know, he is creating the separation, but he's working really well in the intermediate areas of the field as well. So, and and they just, they use him a whole bunch of different ways. I don't know. I don't know if Jaden Reed can take the step to becoming elite, but he's definitely on taking the steps to become a very usable wide receiver three type. Uh, you know, of course, he's, look, he's, in a, he's in a Green Bay jersey. So people are going to say Randall Cobb because both smaller, shifty, utilize. And Randall Cobb was a was a Swiss Army knife frequently for the Green Bay Packers, and maybe Jaden Reed's going to be that. And Randall Cobb had a few, I mean, a few really burning bright fantasy seasons before his body started to betray him. I don't know if Jaden Reed can get there, but for a a wide receiver that you took in the middle of the second. <laughs> 
to already feel like if you're in a double flex, you can put Jaden Reed out there as a second flex. I mean, that's an incredible return on your pick already. Yeah, he's definitely not boxed in. I, I thought he would be, you know, here's a slot only guy. This is all that's going to matter. That usually doesn't translate to year one. But I mean, they're using him all over the field. At Michigan yeah. State, he had the punt returning, kick returning chops that we've seen translates to the NFL just from getting open, creating space. So he's a really fun player because you're getting the screens, but then the last two weeks have been these deep touchdowns you know, against the Steelers, against the Chargers. I watched that entire game and I felt like he was there like like when Jordan Love, when things broke down, like he was the receiver that he was looking towards. So, I, I mean, last two weeks, wide receiver 10, wide receiver 11, that's probably higher than what you're going to get. But like Mike's saying, like, can you flex this guy and, and can he be a flex type player over the next two to three years? I mean, that's way more than what we thought he was going to be. I think, yeah, and... Uh, sorry, Beth, just real quick. Um, make sure you that you all look. This is not Jaden Reed, but um, look on your waiver wire for some Green Bay Packers because there are uh, there's a couple of sneaky guys of of note that in the recent weeks I have just thrown them onto my bench. And I, I don't know, maybe things to look for, but, but Dontavian Wicks should be on all Dynasty rosters right now. And then Emmanuel Wilson, who unfortunately he got hurt uh, on Sunday. But as of right now, the depth chart for the Green Bay Packers is Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and Emmanuel Wilson. And Aaron Jones, we don't know the extent of the injury just yet, but he might miss a, a good amount of time. And also just, this is the time of year. So this is, this is not what we plan on talking about, but this is the, you got to give the note right now. Start looking at your dynasty waiver wire and finding rookies or running back rooms that just grab their third guy. You should be doing that right now. And it it's a low probability hit, but like next year, do the Packers keep Aaron Jones around? AJ Dillon's a free agent. What do they do? You know, like in Emmanuel Wilson, maybe he gets in and plays plays some meaningful snaps, earns a role next year. So look out for those guys. But anyways, Matthew, Jaden Reed, back to back on top. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, but yeah, back to Jaden Reed. You're you checking your wire I right now? I currently was as you were talking. Uh, <laughs> turns out he is available uh, in one of my leagues, so I'm scooping him up. Um, yeah. yeah, with Jaden Reed, there's also something to be said too about just when you have a rookie that flashes even a little, you want to just, I think, be proactive and say to yourself, this guy is going to have a role in the NFL for at least the next two three years like there's some guys that come out in the rookie season they never really do it and i hate to bring this up because we always use him as the example but like what was this sky when sky Moore had his rookie year everyone was like yeah man it's gonna happen in year two and like there was just never there was no signs of of progress development over the course of the first season with Jaden reed you are Kyle seeing says terrace marshall act, yeah actively use him in certain ways and get the ball into his hands on purpose like the coaching staff likes him he has shown it already. He's young. So I, even though I traded him away, like I said, in that Ayuk deal, that was more of a contender. I, I want to be aggressive in going out and getting Jaden Reed because no, you may not have a wide receiver one in your hands, but I feel like for the next couple of years, you might have a flex option. And in Dynasty, that is super valuable. So I, I really like Jaden Reed. Yeah. Let's say he carves out a career that's Tyler Boyd-esque. That is a player that you could start on a given week. We're never saying Tyler Boyd's going to profile be the one, but he did get a contract extension. He's had spurts where he can command targets. Like that's that's the kind of player. Now he Reed has way more burst than Tyler Boyd, but you know, you're looking at a player that can be usable for multiple years, and, and he's one of those guys. Let's take one more break and we'll be right back. I'm gonna bring us back to a time where you know it. Is, was it the best Marvel movie of all time? Some might say that. And, you know, Mike and I, we talk Marvel a lot. We've always been Marvel we bros. Do. Now, we also need to say that not everything Marvel does is great. Some, Correct. Sometimes they just have enough money and they know people will go watch in the theaters. I'll probably go watch it. Um, but Avengers Endgame, for those people out there who are uninformed, get with it. Great movie. Um, but in this movie, and I'm going to compare a player to it, the team, 
The Avengers lost out big time to Thanos. They're hanging their head in shame. And they're trying to assemble the team together one more time to try to reboot this thing. But who knew that the most important person would be the smallest person of the group? Okay, so in Avengers Endgame, the only reason, spoiler alert, that they are able to do anything is your boy Ant-Man, a.k.a. Paul Rudd, who's... Paul Rudd can do anything. I'll probably like it. How tall is Paul Rudd? I feel like he's not that short. Because you're saying he's the smallest. I, I get he he can become the smallest. Uh, he's 5'10". There's no way that Paul Rudd's the smallest event. You know what I'm going for here, Ant-Man. <laughs> Ant-Man. Yeah, but I'm I'm speaking up for the nerds and that you need to come correct. <laughs> it's true. He does become giant man when if he wants to. So he can become the yeah. tallest if he yeah. wants to. Yes, he is also the biggest Avenger. But I think most people, when they think of the Avengers or the Avengers think of themselves, they don't really think of Ant-Man as being the biggest one. And anyway, my point is, is that when the Houston Texans wanted to assemble their roster, one, they lost out on what most people thought they should have taken or they could have gotten. It was Bryce Young. Instead, they got TJ Stroud. But obviously that worked out well. But the more, most important person that they assembled for this team was the smallest. It was Tank Dell. Little Tank Dell that everybody said, you know what, that production at Houston, that's just gimmicky. That's not going to work. And yet we are seeing a superstar, and I'm going to use that word, a superstar Wow! show up before eyes. Let me give you a little, little hot stat, a little Kyle stat right here. Here are the rookie wide receivers that have had a targets per outrun above 23% and a yards per outrun over 2.1 since 2014. Tyreek Hill. Chris Olave, Puka Nakua, who is going to ruin every single rookie chart that I make this offseason, um, Odell Beckham, Kadarius Toney, Justin Jefferson, and Tank Dell. Those are the only ones that have done it as rookies, and obviously we still have more games for Tank Dell. But right now, he has morphed into the alpha in this team. CJ Stroud came out, and Tank Dell said the same thing, like, hey, I wanted this player on my team. He's targeting him. And he has surpassed Nico Collins, in, in my mind, definitely for a while, but surpassed him as the elite player on this team commanding targets. And really the best situation to kind of label him as is he's Amon Ra-esque. And, and you've seen the comparisons of him saying, I wrote down every wide receiver. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know if I like yeah, that. Yeah, I've already heard that bit before. Yeah, get a new one there, Tim, Yeah, I buddy. don't really like the bit. Kyle Maybe loved the bit when it came out. I hated it so much, but now I get it. Respect on Monra. Yeah. You respect uh, the guy. Maybe it works, Kyle. Like, <laughs> just every like, wide receiver does it from now on. Well, but I don't know if you understand this, but w- when you're looking for that slight edge in athletics, anger and spite are very powerful allies. It is funny because like, the route that they took is like, I hate all of you, all of you before me. No, it's it's not hate. It is simply I am better than you and you should not have been picked before me. Yeah. So let me let me at least say this about Tank Dell. He's kind of seen as coming to the league as he'll be a slot only guy. He's running 70% out wide and he wins out there for a player who's 5'8, which is just wild. Matt Harmon, friend of the show, reception perception, had a great tweet where he's just saying Tank Dell might already be one of the best route runners in terms of outbreaking routes. Like you know, you run 10, you run 15, you break down the field. He can he can just do lots of different things. You know, like it's not just a drag route because you're a slot wide receiver. He can win multiple areas of the field and CJ Stroud loves him. So I am I am at the point now where Tank Dell, when I, I'm slotting him in among, among rookies, I think I'd rather have Tank Dell than Zay Flowers. Hmm, I don't hate it. That's, I can see that's, like, that's a... That, it's a that's a hot take. The I would say we we we're gonna learn a lot about Zay Flowers over the rest of this year. Now that Mark Andrews is out, which I mean, go back to week one, Mark Andrews was out, and that was the the ten target debut for Mister Zay Flowers. Uh, I'm very curious what the Ravens are gonna do because Beckham Beckham just keeps coming through with huge plays, but they're only playing him with like thirty to forty percent of the snaps. I'm curious if that skyrockets. And also curious, does does Zay Flowers now become the the focal point of the offense again? But that's a that's a question. Meanwhile, Tank Dell over here, I guess it 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 is still fair to have the question because we haven't have we ever seen the Houston Texans wide receiver room 
all together at the exact same time? We've like, not really. They seem to be down at least one person every single week. Yeah. Yeah. Last week it was Noah Brown. A couple weeks ago it was Nico Collins. So it so it's kind of one of those things that's like you know obviously the underlying metrics are incredible. Would they still be as good if across the whole season if all their guys were healthy? That's a question that I'm not sure. I think we'll find out right over the next month and a half or so. Bet, right. Bets. I, I want to bring this back up. We did a rookie draft redo with Jason uh, during week eight, and you took Tank Dell at the 108, which at the time felt like a hot take. Now I feel like it's too low. That's a cold take. Yeah. Bets, you were so wrong. Um, I was the so, highest. I was highest among all the ballers on him. Come on, Kyle. I know. You, you did pretty good. So I'm just going to give a couple of those rookie wide receivers, and then we can move on to our next name. So I personally would take Tank Dell over Zay Flowers. Bets? I, that's all right. I think so, just because we know that with CJ Stroud, they will, they will probably lean more into the past with like Lamar we have a five year six year sample whatever it's been of just this is what he is to the offense so I think yeah, yeah I think I would lean Dell just for that reason all right and then the names that we have ahead of him Addison Puka and JSN would you still take those guys ahead of Tank I would still take JSN <laughs> it's going to work <laughs> i I think you can make the argument for Tank Dell over the other guys, but I think I still lean Addison and then maybe Tank above Puka. I think that's where I'm at too, Mike. Yeah, I, I lean that. The opportunity of the situation is glaring, though. Like for Jordan Addison, who's throwing Jordan Addison the ball next year? Because it is, as of right now, it's not Kirk Cousins, contractually speaking. Do they bring him back? When is he healthy to go? I mean, we there are so many unknowns, and you could you can say the same thing for Puka of like I'm I was surprised that Matthew Stafford didn't retire this year, and are we going to be doing that exact same thing next year? I do not know, um, but the man Tank Dell being locked in with a rookie quarterback who they are already letting him just bomb it out like they're. I mean, is I feel like Mike McCarthy, despite Dak's recent success, Mike McCarthy's watching like CJ Stroud in these three hundred yard games, and he just feels so bad for the defense of like how tired, <laughs> how tired is this defense that CJ Stroud keeps scoring so much and and so quickly? It's not good for your football team, but the fact that you have a coach who is all about that life is, I mean, it's it's a, a breath of fresh air. Because he, I mean, he, Ryan's could have came in and defensive. I'm high T. I'm uh, full Dan Campbell, and just kept running Pierce and Singletary into the ground. But he, they haven't. Like they've done an incredible job. Tank Dell is one of those players that you probably took the end of the second round, maybe even the third, depending on your yeah. league. And mm-hmm. on my two rebuilds that I have in Dynasty, so I have him with with Jeremy Al Borland. And then in my dynasty superflex league, he is just like like free money for me on my teams because I still have the elite guys. People are trying to trade for him right now. I'm like, no, I'm not taking a first. Like I'd rather have Tank Dell than a late first next year. I would too. And then so it's funny because all these teams are trying to get him for this year. I'm like, I'm just gonna I'm in a rebuild. He works perfectly, perfectly for my timeline. So uh, Tank Dell and the Texans. We're I mean, come on, footballers HQ are. Very much Texans fans right now uh, across the board. So, Betts, you're up next. All right, fellas. Well, it is the holiday season. And so I figured I'd throw a Christmas movie here in our little discussion, Mm -hmm. which is my favorite Christmas movie of all time. It is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Mm -hmm. which was... We're going to have some problems here. You don't like that movie? I sorry, can just keep going. Okay, well, I was gonna say it's great and I love it. Mike's crapping on Betts' stuff. Yeah, come on, dude. <laughs> uh, the 1989 film with Chevy Chase, uh, where he is Clark Griswold, a true family man who is hosting his uh, parents, his in-laws, big family for Christmas, and it's obviously a comedy of errors and things go wrong despite all of his efforts. There's chaos, but in the end, Clark Griswold does it. He puts it all together. He holds it together for the family. Gives his family an incredible Christmas. And there are so many incredible quotes and and scenes along the way that apparently Mike doesn't like. But I'm going to compare that situation (laughs) a little bit 
just if we kind of zoom in on these last three or four-ish weeks with Josh Allen, where there was a period of time where, you know, a couple weeks in a row, we're like, man, these turnovers are back. He's making, you know, questionable decisions. The play calling isn't great, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then they lose, or they fire, rather, their offensive coordinator. This past week, extremely difficult matchup against the Jets, and Josh Allen reminds us of how good he can be. And when you look at the game and you watch the game, it was actually very, I think, intriguing and a breath of fresh air to see them going back to some more simplistic play calling, getting the running backs involved out of the backfield as pass catchers, a ton over the middle of the field to Diggs and especially Dalton Kincaid, where he was crushing it this past week. Lots more pre-snap motion I noticed this week. So just all things that kind of bring you back home and you're like, oh yeah, Josh Allen can do this and he can be incredible. And now he's been awesome for fantasy already, so it's not really that discussion, but I was just surprised that looking at it, I was like, man, he already had thrown 12 interceptions this year. Um, was kind of surprising to me. And then in weeks 9 and 10, he was down to about 6.8 YPA. Really wasn't playing great. This past week just goes berserk. Uh, 275 yards, 8.6 YPA, three touchdowns. And if you look at, I put the like the next-gen stats passing chart here for all of us to see, but like there's so much more across the middle of the field that was not there in past weeks. So I'm pretty encouraged about what that means yeah, for Josh Allen's I, efficiency. I did see a snapshot yeah. of someone holding up the like the this was the offense the last couple of weeks and everything is perimeter. Exactly. And then this week it was, oh hey, look, there's there's a whole bunch more of the field that Josh Allen should probably throw at. Yeah. So I have a question as a Josh Allen manager in Dynasty and I have the dig stack. How much longer do I have that stack together? I know part of it's speculation, Oof. but I, I'm I'm asking because my team is older. I'm at the point where if I don't win this next year, I could sell. So would you be looking to like the idea of that stack feels locked in. I don't want to move from it, but I know that a year or two from now, it doesn't feel like a guarantee that Diggs is still performing at the same level that he's even on the team based on just all the media stuff. So what are your thoughts on just Diggs in general with Allen? I think as far as the availability like of him being in Buffalo, unless, I mean, we've had some rumblings already, but like, unless something happens, he's there through 2027 and for them to move on after 2024 it's over 22 million dead cap so like that's not happening right so unless it's a trade or or something um Diggs is going to be there so I, I think that's probably more likely than not that to be the case but will he be the same player I think probably not I mean he's already what 30 years old or entering his he's about to be 30 um and we tend to see like over the next two years or so that's really when things start to decline so I think you do have a window where if you are not a contender and you want to capitalize in max value, this this is the time to do it. I I wonder if I can get I I I want something closer to two first, but I feel like two first is a lot to ask for. Mm-hmm. But that that's the kind of price to break up a stack that I want. So anyway, what about Tank Dell in a first. Uh, I I think I do Tank Dell in a first. Okay. Whew. Man, you got Tank Dell fever. <laughs> Let's go for it. Kyle just right, watched Mike, this past like, game. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I, I, I saw that he was in the NFL. He scored points on my uh, DFS lineup, and so I like him now, right? Of course, that's how it works. <laughs> so uh, this last one is more of uh, an idea. I mean, I'll, I'll label the uh, the movie, of course, but it's just highlighting that like when you have Ben Stiller and you got Owen Wilson out there, two hilarious guys. They both have had tremendous careers, made us some extremely funny movies. But when they're together, we get, you know, Zoolander. Mm. Uh, in For me, Royal Tenenbaums. I know that's a, a very divisive uh, movie, but to me, Royal Tenenbaums is like top-tier comedy. But just the point, uh, what Starsky and Hutch. The point being, these two guys, when they're on their own, it's fine. But when they are together, it is absolute magic. And th- that's what we've gotten so far from DJ Moore and Justin Fields. Like, Fields can be just fine without without DJ Moore. And DJ Moore can be, what, the wide receiver 24 <laughs> without without uh, Justin Fields just year after year. But there, it was already back. The connection was already incredible. With, with, Bajan, with the secret Bajant man, DJ Moore had an average depth target under 10. Already up back to over 16 this past week with Fields. I mean, it's 
their connection it, with with the way that like like uh like kind of like D, uh, Jaden Reed, but just saying of when the quarterback can buy time, which Fields can do. DJ Moore is a magic man at being able to get open as well. You know, week eleven at Detroit, nine nine targets, seven for ninety six with a touchdown. That is a forty one percent target share. Forty one. Mm. I know. I know. Nine targets is not very much for forty one percent, but the fact being, he's the offense, and when they are going to be trailing, that offense is just going to keep going to DJ Moore, and it has been uh, it has been very fruitful and. I don't see a world where it doesn't continue. Do you guys agree that DJ Moore and as long as they're both on the field, we're going to keep keep getting these fantastic games? Or are you in a would you look at this situation and try and trade DJ Moore with this promise of like, well, no, Fields is back, everything is fixed, but you take DJ Moore on your team? I think there will still be volatile weeks where you just see the offense not be efficient. I mean, that's you never would say Justin Fields is an efficient quarterback. You think there's big plays. I mean, that was that touchdown to DJ Moore. He stepped up in the pocket and then mm-hmm. hit Moore on that long one. So yeah, great throw, yeah. So I, I would say, I if, if I have DJ Moore, I'm just going to ride this out. I'm not trying to like cash in or do anything. Like I think you've got yourself a high end wide receiver too. I think if you think that he's anything more than that, you're probably a little bit you know wishful thinking, knowing that there's ups and downs, but. You know, you like the involvement. Uh, you mentioned, Mike, 41% of the target share, 66% of the team air yards. And we've always loved the fact that Fields can throw it down the field if they give him a chance to, and they're not this little dink and dunk offense. So, yeah, I, I'm i still fine with where he's at. And uh, DJ Moore just feels like solid top 15 to 18 wide receiver. That seems fair. Are you thinking about DJ Moore's long-term as in... It's Fields, or are you factoring in that it could be Caleb Williams next year? I I think either way, what he is and what he's good at, he's always been great at yak plays. Like he's just been tough and then downfield stuff. So it's like whatever way, whatever quarterback they have for him, if it's Caleb Williams, it's fine. I I just it didn't really change my view of him being the alpha on this team that they traded for. So yeah, I I feel like he's pretty locked in. He's only twenty six years old still. I feel like he's going to be one of those players like Mike Evans. Where like, he's still really young. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, what, who, Fields? Did you say DJ Moore's 20s? How is this possible? Yeah, um, DJ Moore's been in the league for, let me count. Five years? Six? This is his sixth year, yeah. Guys, Justin Fields has been really good as a passer. And I'm kind of like scared <laughs> to say it because in the first three weeks, I was dunking on Justin Fields. He was terrible, truthfully, in the first three weeks. Yeah. But since week four, and obviously he missed four weeks, so this includes his week four, week five, and then week six is when he left early, but I'm still included in the sample. And week 11, it's a small sample, but in those games, he is the number one passer in completion rate over expected. He is fifth in air yards per attempt. So he's not just these dink and dunk little throws, but he's completing more than you would think, and they're down the field. And it's like, man, if he can put that together with his rushing upside, these two, fields and more, can just be dominant so i'm i'm more in than i was you know in september when i was really concerned about justin field so the the tricky thing is like you said mike is just this team is heading in a direction where the the warning signs are there that like they might just have to move on but he's at least flashed enough that to me that says hey justin fields might be a starter longer than i thought if he can keep this up and that's a big f i will give you a name just real quick to compare as we close out would you rather have dj moore or DK Metcalf in Dynasty? Hmm. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take oh. DJ Moore. I will go Mr. DJ Moore, Mike. You used to be the man. I I I know. I I think I'm I'm gonna I'll go DJ Moore. Wow. I, I, I think I will too. And you know, probably it's DK Metcalf being on the injury report what it feels like the entire year this year. Um, is ringing in the back of my mind, but um, yeah, it's it's interesting how we can see players shift in the middle of a season, and you see this combination. So hopefully they stick with it, but you know they have every right to trade Justin Fields or go a different direction with their draft capital. Where are you guys at right now? What do you the odds that Chicago holds the number one pick and they take a quarterback? 
I mean, if they have so it, they have, I think they're taking him. They have one in four right now. Chicago does. Pick one, pick four. Right, and pick one is the Carolina one. Right. Yeah, I think they take him if he's there. Or if they have it, I mean. I I think they do too. I think it you just want multiple shots and I I think that another team will want fields. So it's kind of stinks because I think we're seeing a fun fantasy player, but I know that's different than actual NFL. Yeah. So But I mean Fields didn't blow a twelve point lead with a few minutes left. Aberflus did? <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Is he their coach next year? Yes. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's just, I, this is this is the best discussion ever. It's just people getting stumped over and over. I mean, every time they pan to him on the sideline, just quick aside, I feel like I have zero confidence he's going to make any logical decision, whatever the situation <laughs> is. When they pan to him, he's just he has like the look on his face, like he's kind of not sure what's happening. He looks around for a second, looks at his play sheet, help me, and then they fall apart. So, like, how many chances do these guys get? And I don't know, man. Uh, we'll see. I guess I guess there's a chance they kind of let him go through the offseason, take a shot with the number one pick if they get it, and then have a chance. But if it doesn't go well, then I'm sure he's out very quickly. He doesn't strike me as, like, a leader of men. Like, as, like... Oh, he's not, not a Jeff Saturday? <laughs> no. No, he's Hall not a Saturday. Coach. Yeah. I, it just doesn't feel like people in the locker room are like, I want to fight for this guy. I mean, you know, with Dan Campbell, it's like they were losing, but they were ready to run through a wall. And That's they the stuck money, baby. So he's, he's, he's the man. That's going to do it for this episode of the Dynasty Podcast. We've got a lot of Dynasty stuff still to talk about, so we're going to be with you guys all offseason as we talk through rookies, film, everything else. Hope you have a good Thanksgiving week and Megalodon episode. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. If you want to take your dynasty skills to the next level, check out the fantasyfootballers.com.